at a camp. The, the, I was preaching for the Central States Conference pastors retreat, and they brought their elders, the church, all the church elders. And it was interesting because the conference president refused to allow me to stay with them in the camp where they were. That he wanted me to stay at a hotel about seven miles away. I ended up having to stay in the camp because there was so much snow Sabbath afternoon that there were no roads, literally. Wow. Nobody know where, knew where the roads were. <laughs> so I ended up sleeping in the chapel at the, at the, uh, uh, at the camp out. That wasn't much of a sleep, but you know, it's, it's, it was a good experience. And the week before I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and the week before I was in, um, gee, where was I the week before? Um, I was preaching in uh, Northern California. And then the two weeks before I was in Colombia, South America, and so, Anyways, I live on the roads. You know when you travel a lot, when you are walking into an airplane and the flight attendants in Southwest know you by name. <laughs> That's when you know you travel a lot and it gets really, really old very, very fast. Very, very fast. I yearn to get home and have some home-cooked meal every now and then. <clears throat> you know me, you know I began every one of my sermons with a, with a declaration and a confession. Here's the confession. I'm a sinner in need of a grace of God. And just in case you didn't know it, also you are a sinner in need of the grace of God. I mean, I, I know people that can pick themselves up by the bootstraps and, and move on in life. But if it wasn't because of Jesus, I could not make it. I cannot. <laughs> were it not for Jesus, were it not for his grace, I can't tell you where I'd be like the words of the song. And then the declaration that I make, it's, you know, I may have a title, I may have a job, I may have, I may be respected or whatever, what have you, but I'm just a beggar trying to show other beggars where the bread is. Somebody gave me this card La, um, last year and I keep it in my wallet so that I will always remember this and I'll share it with you if you don't mind it's in Patriots of Prophets page 717 it says the Bible has little to say in praise of men little space is given to recounting the virtues or even the best man who ever lived this silence is not without purpose it is not without a lesson. All of the, the good qualities that man possess are the gift of God. Amen. Their good deeds are performed by the grace of God through Christ. Since they owe all to God, the glory of whatever they are or do belongs to Him alone. They are but instruments in His hands. I remind this myself, I, I, I remind myself of this every day, lest I boast in anything but the cross of Christ, using the words of, Jesus, of the Apostle Paul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with us 
as we open your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> oh, yes, please. Thank you. So, today we're going to talk, I guess you've gotten, you know, by the title and the, and the Bible reading, you've gotten the topic. We're going to talk about forgiveness. And this is a matter of life and death. As a chaplain, I know a lot about matters of life and death. Not because I do anything to save the life of anybody at, at a hospital, but because I get called many a times. When I am in the hospital, I get called to come, and it's a matter of life and death. You know? But when I talk about forgiveness as a matter of life and death, what am I talking about? What am I, what am I saying? Well, the first clue you get is through the scripture reading, Matthew chapter 6. And it comes right after, I don't know if you've seen this, if you notice this, but it comes right after the model prayer. And those of you who are like me, who have like the red letter Bible, you have identified that this is red letter, which means what? These came out of the word, out of the mouth of Jesus, which I think is important, don't you? I think we need to spend more time reading the red letters of the Bible. So the disciples come to Jesus and says, Master, please teach us how to pray. And he says, okay, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much Speaking, I'm reading in the King James Bible. After this matter, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then people tend to stop there. Like Jesus finished his teaching about prayer there when in fact he did not. Because immediately after he prays the model prayer, he says... For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive yours. But if ye forgive not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I'd like to pose to you today and I realize that I am being biased in this posting of this idea, but I'd like to pose to you today that the reason why Jesus taught the disciples to pray was to teach them how to forgive. And I would like to pose to you today also, if you allow me, I, I, I feel very far away from you guys. I know this is a small church, but I, I like the closeness of people. There's a reason why I'm a chaplain. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a one-on-one -on -one guy. 
I'm a one-on-one kind of person. And I'd like to post to you today that more than ever before, we need to talk about forgiveness. And there is a reason why we need to talk about forgiveness in our churches. I was in a church in Los Angeles uh, about three or four weeks ago. They invited me to do a week of prayer. I couldn't do a week. I had, I had to do a half a week. And the pastor was ask, asked me, Pastor, I need you to talk about forgiveness. They're still talking about some of the things that I told them. And I'm thinking, Why? It seems like being a Christian means that we have understood what it means about forgiveness, what forgiveness means. I gave them a definition of forgiveness that has stuck. A lot of people have quoted me on Facebook. I'm giving you permission to quote me if you want. But I'm going to give you a spiritual life slash psychological definition of forgiveness, and then we're going to go into the Bible. Here's the spiritual thing, what I think forgiveness means spiritually. Forgiveness means that I'm going to give up every hope to improve my past. Forgiveness means that I'm going to give up every hope to improve my past. Because I can't do anything about my past. I can't change what happened yesterday. I can't change what I said five minutes ago. Cannot improve what I said. I can improve my present. And of course, I can also improve my future. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. If you forgive others, your father will forgive you. But if you choose not to forgive, your father will choose also not to forgive you. So is this a matter of life or death or, and dead or no? Because it is a matter of eternal life. Now, why do we need to talk about this? Why do we need to focus on these things? And I know these things are sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. I don't mind stepping into the uncomfortableness of life every now and then. We need to do that every now and then. We need to do it because, number one, there is a possibility, probably one in every one, that somebody is going to mess up with us. Somebody's going to treat us bad. Somebody's going to do something or say something that we will dislike. So we need, we need to talk about these things because there is a possibility that we will be hurt. As long as we are on this side of eternity, we will have that. The story is told about Joe and Bill. Good friends, they grew up together, they loved each other, but somehow, somewhere within their relationship, they had a disagreement. When Bill When Joe got really, really, really sick and he was dying, he sent for his old friend Bill. And his old friend Bill came and they were coming to straighten things up. Because, you know, one of them was going to die and the other was okay. When Bill arrived, Joe told him that he was afraid to go into eternity with such bad feelings. He was afraid to die with those feelings that he had for his friend. Then, very reluctantly and with great effort, Joe apologized for things he had said and done to his friend. He also assured Bill that he forgave him 
for his offenses. Everything seemed to be fine until Bill turned to go. And he t walked out of the room, and Joe called out for him and said, Now, just remember, if I get better, nothing of this matters. This doesn't count. Well, it's funny, but it shows the way we are as human beings. Why talk about forgiveness? I'll give you four, three reasons. Number one, because our spiritual health depends on it. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse, one, verse 15. Hebrews 12, 15. The New International Version reads this way. See to it that no one, no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root, this is a key here, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The author of Hebrews, we believe, I believe is Paul. Some believe it's somebody else. I believe it's Paul for two reasons. One, because the way the, the letter is written, and two, because Ellen White says it was written by Paul, so that's good enough for me. But here's the, hear this out. Bitterness is a small root, but man, how it damages everything. Bitterness brings jealousy, dissension, and even immorality. You know how I know this? I've been a pastor for 28 years. I'm going to, uh, 29 now. I've been a pastor for 29 years. B, there was a time when I was the youngest one, and not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. And it makes me feel old. Yeah, I, it's going to be 50 this year for me. Oh, yeah, 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 it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Anyways. I've been a pastor for 29, almost 30 years. And I've seen how when we are incapable of recognizing the bitterness that we plant in our hearts, we start rationalizing our behavior. We rationalize the way we treat others in the church because they treated us bad before. I went to visit a family. This, uh, this will maybe cause you to laugh. But here's, I went to visit a family. When I was a church pastor, I was a visiting pastor. I, I normally left things out of my sermon that I would finish in their houses while I was visiting with them. And I, my head elder, one of my churches, I, I was a district pastor. I had 12 churches at that, in that district. And I was doing a week at that church. And my head elder said, come, pastor, I want you to come visit with this, these families that have left the church. So I went with this family, and it was an awesome visit. I had a great time with them. We talked. We read the Bible. We prayed and, and so forth. They were still studying the Sabbath school lesson. They were still, but they, they had stopped coming to church. Then they had not come to church in a while. So in the end, we finished praying. You know, we finished with a prayer, and I'm a hugger. <laughs> I'm a hugger. So finish my prayer, and I'm going to hug the family. And the head of the family hugs me very tight, and then he goes. <laughs> and that was like, what's up with that? 
And then the wife did the same thing. She hugged me and smelled me. And I'm like, what's up with this? So finally I said, okay, two of, two of you guys smelled me. There's got to be a story behind this. So please tell me what happened. So the father of the house goes, Pastor, I apologize, but we had to smell you. Why? Because the guy that was here before you, apparently he had a fight against the odorant. So because he didn't put on the odorant, we stopped going to church. What? So this bitterness that we put in our hearts, we use as rationalizations for the behaviors that we take. We need to learn how to forgive. I mean, I never thought I had to teach a family to forgive a pastor who probably didn't have enough money to buy deodorant. Or the poor guy like me. You know, let me, give you an, let me give you an idea of this. I came to that district after being in the ministry for two years. But he got into that district right out of college. And he, he had the same 12 churches that I had. I found out when I came that there was a vote in the conference that because they weren't very sure about the quality of the pastors for the first two years, we could not get a car. Car. No, we couldn't. We had to go around in buses. So think about it. This poor guy has to move between 12 churches in a bus. There's a possibility he's going to catch a little bit of a small, small, um, uh, um, bad smell in the bus. There's a possibility. But what I'm saying is, you know, the, 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 the message here is do not let... The root of bitterness. Find a fertile soil in your heart. That's the first thing. The second reason why we need to learn and talk about these things about forgiveness is because forgiveness is a clear command in the Bible. I mean, it's as clear as thou shall rest on the Sabbath day. And sometimes I wonder why Jesus did not, why the Lord did not give us an 11th commandment, thou shalt forgive. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. I already established that the root of bitterness, right? Now, see what Paul says now to the Ephesians. Get rid of all what? Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's powerful. The third reason why we have to learn and talk about these forgiveness thing is because we do not naturally know how to forgive. It's not natural to us.
we do not know naturally how to forgive. We are familiar with the episodes of road rage, familiar with the the episodes of disgruntled employees, drive-by shootings, even school shootings. This week I got a recording. Many of you, uh, Brother Manuel knows where I come from. I was born in Venezuela, and you know how things are in Venezuela right now. Last Sunday, I got a recording from the pastor at our church in Santa Elena, where the two people, the first two people died in our church. One of them was an elder of the church, and another one was the children's ministries director of the church. They were at the church when they were killed. Yes. They were come. You know, you heard about. Have you heard about the this aid that is coming, trying to come into the country because people are dying of hunger and and I saw my uncle last year. Some of you saw the one that came over here. There was what there was another one that didn't come didn't come to church. He came over, but he didn't stay here long enough to be able to come with us to church on Sabbath. But there was another one that when I saw him. I could not contain my tears because my uncle had lost a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds. And I asked, why? Why, uncle? He said, because, son, we can only eat one meal every other day. Every other day. So last week, the pastor from that church recorded, and you can hear the voice of the brethren trying to worship, and behind that, the shelling and the gunfight. And, and then he is describing how they're throwing tear gas into the church just because they wanted to protect the aid that was coming into the country, <coughs> which is part of the responsibility we have as Christians, right? Help those who are in need. They are in need. He was describing how they had to go to their homes, to their home, and grab every tube of toothpaste they had to put in their mouth and in their eyes because the tear gas was going into the church. Imagine that. If that would happen here, there are pictures that I have that I could show of shelling in the place of the worship. Now, we need, do we need to learn how to forgive? Yeah, man. There is a part of me that wants to pray curses over those who are causing that. But the reality is they are also sinners in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. Aren't you gra- glad Jesus shares grace like a three-year-old puts butter in a toast, gets it all over everything? even upon those who we think should not get grace. And the fourth reason why we need to talk about these things is because forgiveness is taught by Jesus. Because Jesus has taught us how to forgive. You know how I know that? One of the last phrases Jesus spoke before he died 
was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Talk about a great example of forgiveness. Jesus is saying this about the guys who are nailing him to a cross. And they're not being nice to him. They're not even asking for forgiveness. Many a times I hear church members who come to me and say, well, but, 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 but I, I can't forgive someone who has not asked for forgiveness. You see, the big problem is forgiveness in the Bible is not about the person who has committed the sin. Forgiveness in the Bible is about the person who has received the sin. That's why Jesus says, Matthew 23, if you come to church and you realize that your brother has something against you, before you give your offering, go fix that and come back and give your offering. That's what the Bible says. So Peter, in response to that, Peter always, always gets his foot in his mouth, man. I, I like that guy. I like him. I like him because I tend to be like him every now and then. I tend to be like him. So he, he, he goes, okay, Lord, how many times should I forgive? And seven times? He's like, okay, I'm going to be generous, giving, us, giving forgiveness seven times. And Jesus says, no, Peter, seven times, no. It's not enough. It's seven times seven. That's 490 times. And once you get to the 499th time, start all over. And then Jesus tells the story about those who have been forgiven much and those who have been forgiven little. You remember that story? I'm not going to go there. We don't have enough time to go over there. But I've talked to you about the reasons why we need to talk about this, but I'm going to also going to give you three principles, maybe four principles for forgiveness. Number one, and we learned that when we read Matthew 18, 21 to 35. You can take the time this afternoon. That'll be your homework today. Matthew 20, 18, 21 to 35. That's when Peter comes to Jesus and says, how many times shall we forgive? Seven times? Jesus said, no, seven times seven. And then Jesus tells the story. Read that story. But out of that story, I get principles. This is the first principle. True forgiveness goes beyond any reasonable human limit. True forgiveness goes beyond any Reasonable human limit. You heard back in 2006, maybe 2007, one of our missioners in Palau, <coughs> the, the Paiva family, one man in his stupor went in the house, killed the pastor, his wife, and his boy, left the girl alive, raped her, many times, left her alive and left the place. Palau. It's an island. You heard that story. Melissa is her name. <coughs> Melissa just graduated from Andrews University last May. You know where she is? In Palau. Melissa and her grandmother 
Professor Ruth de Paiva, who was my professor, went to the courthouse the day this man was being arraigned. And they stood in front of him and said to him, we forgive you. Last year, Pastor de Paiva, the father of the pastor who had been killed, went to Palau and baptized that man. Baptize that man. True forgiveness goes beyond any reasonable human limit, limits. The problem we have is that we wait for them to come and ask for forgiveness. And so we, are, we have this bitterness. We have this resentment waiting for people to come. Because he was so bad. He did so bad to me. We are, we are here. And here's the interesting thing. We are suffering spiritually here. And they're as if nothing happened. You see the problem here? You see the problem? 2008, you saw the news. A man crazy enough got into a one classroom school from the Amish and killed all the girls. Have you seen what happened? That same day, that same day, the Amish community, the leaders of the Amish community went to the house of that man and spoke to the wife and said to her, we forgive you and we forgive him. And the TV, the TV people, the, the, the people that were always questioning, what is that all about? Because in this world of ours, forgiveness like that is beyond human understanding. But that is what the Bible teaches. The second principle of forgiveness that we need to understand is that we need to believe and we need to be aware of how lavishly God has forgiven us. I'll give you one example that will clarify this in a flash. I came to realize when I was studying this and when I was working with this, I came to realize one huge truth. And it is, if I were the only one needing the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus would have died for me alone. Now think about how much God has forgiven. When you think that if you were the only one, Jesus would have died for you alone. That's the second principle. Understand how lavishly God has forgiven you. Like I said, God gives grace like a three-year-old puts butter on a toast, gets it all over everything. Principle number three. It has to do with this, with what I have said before. Forgiving others comes from the way God has forgiven us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. But if you do not, if you choose not to forgive, your Father will choose not to forgive you. Oh, that's, that's powerful. I don't, think I, need to, in, I, don't need, I don't think I need to go any further into that. But then, I'm also a chaplain. So I have to go another way. And my med students that are here are going to appreciate what I'm saying here. In 2000, 
when I came to work for Florida Hospital, now Advent Health, <clears throat> the, uh, the director of the pastoral care department had decided that he wanted to do a research. And so he joined forces. Uh, Florida Hospital Orlando was very well, is, is still very well known in the community as the best heart hospital in Central Florida. So <clears throat> he decided to do uh, a study. What we did is we, we joined forces with the director of the cardiology department. And in his office, he chose 40 patients that were taking medication to control their blood pressure. They came to the hospital, they got a battery of tests, and then they signed an agreement that they would come for eight weeks to receive, um, we checked their blood pressure in the beginning of the, class, of the seminar and at the end of the seminar. And during that weekly night that they came for eight weeks, there were eight of us, eight chaplains that were chosen to teach principles of forgiveness. We had to be very careful because in the study design, we could not say that they needed to forgive. We could not say in our presentation, in our seminars, that they had to forgive others. We only had to teach principles of forgiveness. This is what forgiveness is. For one hour, we spoke with them about that. We had activities with them so that we would understand that they understood the points that we were trying to put across. And at the end of eight weeks, 35 out of the 40 patients that were taking medication to control their blood pressure needed no more medicine to control their blood pressure. 35 out of 40. Which demonstrated something. Demonstrates that most of the people, at least in that study, had problems with their blood pressure that were tied to their emotions. There were five out of the 40 that had problems with their pro blood pressure that was tied to their physical problem. They had physical problems. But 35 out of the 40 needed no more medication to control their blood pressure because it was emotional. Out of that came a study that has been published. There's a couple books that you can get on Amazon entitled Forgive to Live. I was part of that study. So is it, a, is it a matter of life and death? In all ways. Not only spiritually, but also physically. When you learn what forgiveness is, when you learn how to forgive, you do what Maury Schwartz, Maury Schwartz was a professor of um, anthropology who was dying of uh, ALS. ALS, he was dying of ALS. What's the, what's the? No, it's not Alzheimer's, it's Lou Gehrig's disease. ALS, that's Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a, it's a nervous illness, you know, the, the nerves of the body deteriorate and the person loses control, literally, and they, they literally withered down. So Maury 
<laughs> One of his favorite study, students, uh, Mitch Album, came to, co to sit with him every week on Tuesdays. And out of that came a book entitled Tuesdays with Maury, where Maury taught Mitch how to live. And there is a whole section in there that starts with Maury saying, forgive everyone everything and forgive them fast. Forgive everyone everything and forgive them fast. That could have come out of the word of Je out of the mouth of Jesus. I think he also said it. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or forget our, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or if you want me to say it in Spanish. Perdona a los que nos ofenden, así como nosotros perdonamos a los que nos ofenden. Perdona nuestras ofensas, así como nosotros perdonamos a los que nos ofenden. So today, is this a matter of life or death? I think it is. Forgive others everything and forgive them fast. Because that is the key to eternal life. God bless you.